Welcome to the Conductor's Notes podcast featuring David Allen Miller from WMHT.org. David Allen Miller conducts the Albany Symphony, and he provides commentary on the WMHT Live broadcast. David's commentary is full of fascinating stories about the music, the performances, and more. In order to keep the program mostly music, some of what he provides ends up on the cutting room floor. This podcast contains no music, but it does contain all of David Allen Miller's commentary from the concert broadcast on WMHT Live from WMHT-FM, your classical companion. The Conductor's Notes podcast featuring David Allen Miller's commentary for the Albany Symphony concert broadcast is made possible in part by a grant from the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, supporting nonprofit organizations that have a history of substantial commitment to contemporary music. The initial impetus for this concert, which was a sort of big, beautiful beer hug to all of American music, was uh, the fact that we were finally able to uh, convince these three brilliant young string players, a group known as Time for Three, to join us on one of our subscription concerts. We've been trying to get them to come be with us for quite some time, and it worked out. Their dates worked out with our dates uh, for this special concert. So knowing that they were going to do this big, sort of epic, roots-inspired piece by Jennifer Higdon, I decided that I wanted to put around it two other major works of Americana. So I thought of my all-time favorite American composer, Aaron Copland, and a work that the Albany Symphony and I really haven't played of Mr. Copland's in my my long tenure here. Uh, It was the Billy the Kid Suite, one of his three major ballets, those three cowboy western ballets, Billy the Kid first, then Rodeo, then a little bit later, Appalachian Spring. This was the first and really the breakthrough of those three ballets. So I knew I wanted to start with uh, the suite from Billy the Kid, and I thought, well, if we're going to do a real Americana show with this wonderful Jennifer Higdon piece and some Copeland, why not Antonin Dvorak's New World Symphony? Of course, Dvorak being a Czech composer, it's kind of ironic that that would be the Great American Symphony, but more of that later. So to begin the concert, I chose Aaron Copeland's Billy the Kid Suite. Now, this ballet was written by Copeland in uh, 1938. It was actually uh, suggested to him by the great ballet impresario Lincoln Kirstein, who'd started a a company called Ballet Caravan, which eventually became Ballet Theater, which eventually turned into the New York City Ballet. And Kirstein was a very uh, uh, sort of a a brilliant figure, a a brilliant impresario, sort of the American Diaghilev, uh, that great ballet promoter and promoter of, of all European arts in Paris. In the early part of the century, Kirstein was trying to do the same thing for American music in the middle of the century. And uh, so he very much wanted to try to uh, create new ballets or bring into existence new ballets that were based on American themes and subjects. Uh, you know, ballet, like symphonic works and like operas, was generally the, the purview of European music. Uh, and Kristen wanted to forge a new American style of ballet. So he turned to a, a very gifted young dancer, Eugene Loring, who was also a fine choreographer, uh, and suggested the idea of a ballet based on uh, the legend of the famous American outlaw, Billy the Kid. And then he approached Copeland uh, to to write the music. Now, this ballet is often touted as the first ballet on genuinely American themes, but the Albany Symphony and I know that that is not, in fact, the case, that Kirstein commissioned a ballet a year before from Virgil Thompson called The Filling Station. We have to know this because we actually performed and recorded the piece some years ago, and so uh, Thompson's piece preceded Copeland's American ballet, first American ballet, by one year. But this certainly was the most famous and most celebrated and by far the most successful ballet 
of these American-themed ballets. Copeland initially didn't even really want to write the piece, and Kirstein very much wanted him to base it on actual cowboy songs. And Copeland said uh, that he really didn't think that much of cowboy songs. He realized that they were you know, nostalgic and nice, and he was all for cowboys, uh, but he didn't find them musically very interesting. But Kirstein nonetheless uh, gave him two volumes of cowboy songs, and Copeland was going off to Paris to visit and to stay there for a while and to create a ballet. And uh, so with these two volumes of cowboy songs under his, his arm, he headed off to Paris. And he said later, I thought it was very funny, he said, you know, somehow cowboy songs in Paris just sound somehow different from the way they sound in America. And uh, as he started looking at them, even though it's true that their melodies are are rather uh, simple and often their harmonic language is very simple, there was a certain nostalgia and a certain wonderfully Western openness and honesty to them that he found quite arresting. So he started toying with these various different actual cowboy songs, including some very famous ones like Old Paint and uh, Get Along Little Doggies and such, and began to shape them and change the harmonies and expand the melodies and turn them into really most of the material of this ballet. So it's essentially a ballet based on authentic cowboy melodies. And uh, he wanted in a very abstract way to sort of recount in about 28 minutes the entire life of this famous outlaw who supposedly had killed 21 men by the time he turned 21 years old and was then killed in a gunfight. So uh, it was a very uh, abstract ballet in that uh, nobody ever actually shot anybody and there were no guns. It was all sort of pantomimed. And it was his the, the, the periods of his life, the, his girlfriend, his uh, loneliness, nights by the campfire were all sort of suggested, but never um, – there wasn't really a lot of scenery. In fact, there was virtually no scenery. Uh, so the ballet was premiered in 1938 and it was a huge success. Lines around the block for weeks to see it. Uh, and then Copeland later decided to create an orchestral suite from the ballet. He lopped off about seven or eight minutes of kind of, I think, repetitive music that, that didn't really add very much, that was really just there for dance reasons. But then he also removed a, a lovely waltz uh, from late in the ballet. And actually, I, I feel bad that that part is missing because that's a very wonderful, nostalgic piece. It exists as a, as a standalone. And I think next time I do the ballet, I'll probably add it in uh, to sort of make a, a hybrid of the suite and the full ballet. But this is the suite that we have for you now. Uh, it is the suite from Aaron Copeland's cowboy ballet, Billy the Kid. It features the Albany Symphony conducted by me, David Allen Miller. This is the Conductor's Notes podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. That was the suite from Copeland's Billy the Kid, featuring the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller. Next on the program, the centerpiece of our program, is this uh, very intriguing and uh, also very much roots-oriented uh, piece by the wonderful American composer Jennifer Higdon, a young American composer who's had her works played all over the country and all over the world. Uh, she lives and works in Philadelphia, where she's a professor at the Curtis Institute of Music, and the Philadelphia Orchestra has commissioned a great amount of her music and performed a great amount of her music. So we were delighted to play one of Jen Higdon's pieces. Uh, this is a piece she wrote specifically for this very unique string trio, a time for Three, and Time for Three has developed an amazing career. They are all very formidably classically trained string players, two violinists and a bass player. The two violinists are Zachary Depew, who happens to also double as the concertmaster of the Indianapolis Symphony, so you can imagine he must be a pretty amazing uh, violinist, as is his colleague, the amazing Nick Kendall, and the bassist is Renan Meyer. And uh, the three of them met when they were all students at the Curtis Institute of Music and started jamming together 
together after rehearsals, uh, and they would hang out until the building closed, and the janitorial staff basically had to push them out of the building. And pretty soon, professors and the administration got wind of the fact that they were amazing improvisers, and they played bluegrass and country, and uh, Zach was actually a champion country fiddler. And they could really do anything. So eventually the uh, administration featured them on a special gala fundraising event for the school. And they were such a sensation that somebody said, you should really be a group. And so they decided to form themselves into a group. And and the group is Time for Three. And they started commissioning works for the three of them with orchestra and arranging their own pieces and touring. They've been on Dancing with the Stars. And they've really kind of been an incredible breakthrough, genre-busting kind of ensemble in that they play – Strict classically brilliantly, but they play this fabulous kind of roots Americana that they're forging uh, for themselves. So as they've been developing their repertoire, they asked Jen Higdon for a a concerto, and she complied with this uh, very lyrical and evocative piece. The piece is called Concerto 4-3, kind of a a play on their name, Time 4-3, since there are three of them. And uh, it, it essentially is a depiction, three movements, each one a different river in the Smoky Mountains in eastern Tennessee. The first movement is the Shallows, the second movement, Little River, and the third movement, Roaring Smokies. The first movement's kind of lively. It starts with just the violins, the solos, playing these wonderful kind of bluegrass, these kind of interesting techniques that they do that aren't at all classical. And it's a real kind of hoedown-y sort of movement. Uh, the second movement is this very slow and beautiful lyrical movement. And the third movement's really a, a barn-burning, foot-stomping kind of thing. Between the first and second movements, there's this very extended cadenza that they do that's uh, very exciting where the orchestra stops and they just go at it for um, three or four minutes. So it's a, an amazing thing. The percussion's often featured prominently in it. And uh, they really sort of – they forward a very broad territory of musical styles and such. In this concerto written for them, Jennifer Higdon's Concerto for Three, the soloists again are Time for Three. They are Zach DePew violin, Nick Kendall violin, and Renan Meyer double bass, along with the Albany Symphony conducted by me, David Allen Miller. This is the Conductor's Notes podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion and WMHT.org. The Conductor's Notes podcast featuring David Allen Miller's commentary for the Albany Symphony Concert Broadcast is made possible in part by a grant from the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, supporting nonprofit organizations that have a history of substantial commitment to contemporary music. As you can well imagine, we were all a little bit intimidated about what in heaven's name, can you follow uh, the escapades of those remarkable musicians with? Uh, they seem like a real showstopper and a show ender, but after intermission, we decided to come back with that greatest of all American symphonies, the New World. And in a way, I think there's a, a, a beautiful cohesion to the concert in that all of the pieces, in essence, either are based on or pay homage to American roots music, you know, in the case of Copland, cowboy songs, uh, in the case of uh, Jen Higdon's concerto, all sorts of roots music and fiddle music. And in the case of Vorjak's New World Symphony, lots of paraphrasing and reinterpreting and imagining uh, the ideas of spirituals and of Native American dance. Uh, So I think there's a, a wonderful sort of American folk music cohesion to the three pieces on the program. The New World, as you probably remember, is a piece that Dvorak wrote when he came to America uh, in 1892. He was recruited by a a society lady, a very visionary society lady named Jeanette Thurber, to run her National Conservatory of Music. 
And uh, he took a ship across the Atlantic Ocean with his family, part of his family. The rest of them joined him later. And he spent actually a total of three years. He made two different trips. He came for two years and he went home and came back for another year. And while he was very much homesick for his native uh, Prague, he had a wonderful time in America and was very excited by America and stimulated by America. Uh, He loved the bigness of it. Uh, He loved the trains and the steamships that came into New York Harbor and would go down and count the ships coming in and count the, the trains and the locomotives of yards, and uh, he was entranced by American culture and industry. And he very much came because he had become this very important figure in establishing a Czech national voice. He and his teacher and mentor, uh, Benrich Smetana, were the two major figures in Czech music. And they had really had to try to figure out how to make a Czech art music that was somehow distinct from and and uniquely different from all the other Western European music that uh, Czech composers for many years had aped and imitated. And I think he very much came over because he wanted to help American composers do the same sort of thing. At this time, American classical composers, such as they were in the 1890s, uh, really were writing essentially bad imitation Brahms and bad imitation Dvorak. And so when he came, he felt it was his job to help American composers find their own unique American voices. And he felt that we Americans should look to our own indigenous art forms, particularly the spirituals of African Americans and Native American dance music, because he felt those were so uniquely American and distinctive and different from European culture. And so he actually, in a certain way, wrote this symphony, which he called Symphony Number no. 9, From the New World, as almost a, a compendium of his ideas of how an American composer might embrace the sounds of spirituals, uh, beautiful tunes that sound suspiciously like um, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, bum, ba, ba, bum, bum, ba, bum, bum, ba, uh, those kinds of things. And then also in the second movement, that beautiful spiritual, going home, going home, I am going home, which actually is a completely original tune of Dvorak's. It wasn't a spiritual until one of his students actually put those words to it. So he was trying to indicate how spirituals and the ideas of spirituals, the vibe of spirituals could be integrated into American art music. And then he did a close study of Native American dance by going to Buffalo Bill's Wild West show, maybe not the most thorough ethnomusicological study of all times, but uh, he made some startling uh, remarks about Native American music. He somehow felt that it was very close to Scottish music, which no else has ever found that exact link to it. It doesn't really make sense to the rest of us. But he was very much entranced and intrigued by uh, Native American music. And you can hear some of that, I think, in places like uh, in the first movement, little thematic fragments like that that sound like a European guy thinking that's what Native American music might sound like. Nonetheless, what's most remarkable about this piece is that it's a fully Czech, fully Dvorakian statement. It sounds every bit like Dvorak. And yet at the same time, it's somewhat different from his European works in that he is trying to create this American art sound. So very much Czech, but very much looking at and celebrating and enjoying everything that is American. Four movements. First movement, beautiful, nostalgic, dare I say heartsick, a homesick opening, uh, followed by this very dramatic first movement. Second movement, that gorgeous imagined spiritual going home with wonderful episodes in the middle that supposedly are taken from an opera he was thinking of writing based on the Song of Hiawatha, Longfellow's epic poem. Uh, and when he decided not to write the opera, he had a lot of material he'd worked on and it wove that into this New World Symphony. So there are actually scenes uh, from that opera. Third movement, again, this idea of, of, of a scherzo, of a dance. But again, this is thought to have been from a, a 
scene, he was composing for the opera, Hiawatha, uh, where the Indians, the Native Americans, dance. And a last moment that just is kind of heroic, dramatic, cowboy Indian sort of uh, music that's quite exciting and, and life-affirming. So now, uh, the beautiful Dvorak New World Symphony, Symphony Number no. 9 from the New World, performed by the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller. Thanks for listening to the Conductor's Notes podcast featuring David Allen Miller of the Albany Symphony Orchestra from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org.